Welcome once again. It's the Chapter 49 podcast. Today is July 8th of 2022, and we are very happy that you have chosen to join us again. Our podcast is weekly most of the time. We miss a week uh, here or there, but this really since uh, the uh, Christmas holidays, we've been fairly regular uh, with our weekly podcasts. Uh, Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer and work in communications with Chapter 49, and my biggest responsibility is, in fact, this podcast, the Chapter 49 podcast, and it's normally a duo. On the other side of that coin, Duncan Giles, Chapter President for Chapter 49. So welcome again, Duncan. By the way, I'm going to tell you that I think we should all consider what we take for granted every day. We're doing some construction in my neighborhood yesterday, and lo and behold, somebody hit a water line, and it took almost the entire day for the water company to fix that problem. But in the meantime, we spent eight or nine hours without running water, and it was unexpected. We couldn't prepare for it. Uh, Let's just say never take for granted the fact that you have running water in your home. Absolutely. Yeah. That can cover a lot of things that need to be done. And if it's, if it's suddenly not there, like in your case, it's like, holy cow, what do we do now? So I, I come out quite humbled from yesterday. <laughs> Most of the people who were working, not retired like myself, probably came home and only had a few hours without, uh, without water. But I spent most of the day without it. And, uh, you know, you just it just makes you look at things and realize how fortunate we are in a modern world, in a modern nation. There are still parts of the world that do not have running water. So we should all be thankful for what we have. Well, Duncan, we uh, want to start off today's podcast with something that is in the news. And I think any time IRS is in the news, unfortunately, it's mostly bad news. It's not good news if we're in the news. And we have been in the news uh, a couple, with about two days before we record this podcast. And it all started with a New York Times story that two people that our former president Donald Trump had castigated on social media, even had uh, advocated being tried for treason, which, you know, the death penalty comes with treason in this country under our Constitution. So he, he, there were two men who once headed the FBI, James Comey and Andrew McCabe, and he had basically said publicly he wanted these people to be charged with treason. Now, that never happened. The Justice Department did not investigate them. Uh, even though the president has been well documented and many by many journalists did in fact ask and want uh, those two men to be uh, prosecuted for what he considered to be treason. Well, now we've got a new report from the New York Times that these two men have both been selected for special audits. Now, people who work within IRS and know something about this, and I used to work in the examination division where the audits are done, years ago we called this the TCMP program, the Taxpayer Compliance Management Program. Now we call it national research. Basically, it's a, what happens is a, a very small number of, of, of tax returns are selected to be audited Every single line of the return. Now, most audits 
are come up for audit for certain issues, and you start with those. It could be expanded after that, but you start with like office in the home or charitable contributions. There's something that caused that return to be chosen for audit. These audits I'm talking about, these you know, national research audits, go through every single line of a tax return. The idea is to collect data to know where IRS needs to go to find noncompliance and how to uh, select our own, uh, uh, do our own selection process or to get the most out of uh, um, audits and understand where we need to look at compliance. That's a very, that's a few thousand people, a few thousand returns out of 150 million returns or so that get filed every year. It's, it varies a little bit. That's a, close to the number we have in, in recent years. So it's like just a few thousand, a handful of those returns are chosen for audit. So these two men, James Comey and Andrew McCabe, were both audited under this national research program. And the odds of that happening, coincidentally, are pretty small. It could be a coincidence. I mean, it's possible. It's just a very low statistical probability that would happen. Now, when this came to light, uh, the IRS issued a statement that, you know, there are safeguards in the system. The commissioner had nothing to do with this. Um, it is a, a group of civil servants that make that decision and put the system together and so forth. All of that is absolutely true based on my experience working at the IRS for 28 years and some of that time in examination and working as a union representative, working with a lot of people who work uh, in examination where the audits are done. Now, I think it is very unlikely, and this is just my opinion, based on my experience at Worthing worked, even though I've been retired for more than 10 years, I worked 28 years in the agency. And I, I find it very unlikely the Commissioner of Internal Revenue had anything to do with any, any of this. I mean, I, I would be shocked if the Commissioner tried to intervene to get these men audited. I just don't think that happened. There are, as has been pointed out by the service, many safeguards in the system to see that political manipulation does not happen. But on the other hand, the probability that this happened by coincidence is so small, this has to be looked into. And I will say uh, the, the Commissioner Reddick did exactly the right thing. The day this came out, he immediately contacted the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, the Inspector General for the Treasury Department that deals with tax. We call it TIGDA internally. And he, uh, the man who runs that organization was contacted by the commissioner, and he specifically requested an investigation into this. This is what inspectors general are supposed to do. They haven't responded to the media, but I think there is like a 98.5% probability that TIGDA is going to do this investigation. So this will be done. But that's more of an internal administrative investigation. We don't know who else may investigate this. Congress may decide to investigate it because you don't know what will happen then. Uh, and it's also possible the Department of Justice may do an investigation. There are criminal penalties attached to some of these things, and, and it's way beyond my ability to understand. But there's always a possibility DOJ may decide to, uh, to do an investigation. We, not, we don't have any indication either way of that. But if there's a possibility of criminality, they, they always have the option, that department does, of going in and at least investigating that. Because TIGDA will not do a criminal investigation by and They can refer to the Department of Justice. They're doing mostly in, uh, internal investigations, and whatever they come up with, they send to the Department of Justice if they think there's criminality involved. 
So uh, I guess the, the main point is, could something have happened? There are safeguards in the system. Uh, could something have happened? Could somebody have done something wrong? Always a possibility. We need these investigations. The inspector general's investigation will be important. My guess is it will take months for that to, to happen, uh, for us to hear anything about it, for us to find any results of that investigation. Now, TIGDA, I, in my experience, I have seen them do really great investigations, and there have been just a few that have raised my eyebrow. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how they came up with that or what are they doing. By and large, they do good work, but there have been a few investigations they've done that uh, have caused me to question them. But I guess we're all human, and that's always, nobody's perfect, and, and that, that does happen. But I believe that what, what I'm seeing happen is what should happen. So, Duncan, do you have any any thoughts on this issue? I, I have many thoughts, and here's here's what I'll uh, share with our audience. Uh, first off, I truly believe Commissioner Reddick did the absolute, as you mentioned, the right thing. Once he heard about it, send it to uh, Tigda for them to take a look at, and I and I'm sure Tigda will pick this up. As you said, will other uh, government entities or agencies also look into this? It's possible. We don't know. Um, I don't want it to become a sideshow. There are, like you said, safeguards. Um, do I believe that Commissioner Reddig contacted somebody and said, okay, I want these two people put into the NRP program? No. No. I, I've met Commissioner Reddig. I know many people who work with him. Our national president, Tony Reardon, has had many meetings with him. Um, I don't believe that's Commissioner Reddig at all. Uh, could something else have happened? Possibly. We don't know. And that's for the TIGDA investigation to find out. I do want to mention that, you know, in this program, uh, for those who aren't familiar with examination, the revenue agents who do these programs aren't the ones picking their own uh, cases. These cases are assigned to them. So if they, you know, if they've got them assigned to them, they had no idea if there was anything uh going on that shouldn't have been going on they'd have no way of knowing that all they know is cases were assigned to them so they did the work that they were assigned but you know i think an investigation can do uh nothing but flesh out the truth is which is what we need and i'll say one other quick thing uh if you've read any of the media reports that came out as a result of this new york times story the irs did have a response You'll notice that one of the media relations people uh, providing that response is a woman by the name of Jody Reynolds. Uh, Jody Reynolds comes from Indianapolis. Uh, I knew her well. Uh, uh, we've even exchanged messages in the last few years. Uh, what makes me feel good about that is she's an, a, a bright, sharp person, and it makes you realize it's good to see that some people within the service do get promoted and uh, and she has a very responsible job, and, and she uh, is well qualified for that. So at least I'm good to see somebody from uh, Indianapolis area, Indiana chapter. One time I'm with Chapter 49 now, um, working at a high level in the service and, and doing good work. Okay, I think we've talked about that long enough. Uh, we just felt uh, Duncan and I both thought we had to say something about this because it is so much in the news, and uh, we just wanted to pass along our views as as. Myself as a former union representative, uh, as a volunteer for the chapter, and Duncan as a, as a chapter president. So I think you can tell that he and I are very much uh, aligned in how we, we look at this. We look at it very much the same way. 
Well, let's move on to something else. And we've talked about this in, in some of the past podcasts. Uh, 1040X forms. There are a lot of paper returns being uh, submitted that are piling up. Uh, the service is trying very hard to get these processed. Uh, we're, the service is bringing people in, and even people in call centers are being recruited to do that. That uh, recruitment has uh, been done. There is training being provided, but not all is well within that system. Tell us uh, what's going on, Duncan. Uh, that's a very nice way of phrasing it, Larry. Yeah, from everything that I'm hearing and seeing, uh, the originally there were uh, a few of the larger call centers, remote call sites that were chosen to do this 1040X work to try and clear some of it up. To This is another surge, as they like to say, to try and get some of this backlog out of there, which is a great goal to have, very admirable. Um, but they weren't able to get the number of people they thought, so they reached out to a few more call sites, including Indianapolis. And I've been able to experience firsthand, um, you know, this is something that uh, sites like Indianapolis have been begging for for years. Give us written correspondence work so we can do that in addition to phones, so we can have a little bit of variety in the work to do. Um, unfortunately, uh, while the instructors seem to be nice and knowledgeable, it was almost like having people that spoke only German try to teach you English. Um, it was just, there's too many different languages going on. They had folks from submission processing teaching folks who were on the phones in accounts management this, and they're just the language barriers and understanding of what was done, what could be done, things of that nature are just too foreign for it to make any sense. And I know a great number of people who have dropped out of this program really wanted to do it. Um, and including our, our own, uh, chapter secretary and steward, um, you know, really wanted to do this for the right reasons to understand what goes into a 1040 X, how it gets processed so he could better help taxpayers when they call in about it. But he just has thrown up his hands and said, Hey, look, this training was done so poorly. They jumped around so much. There's absolutely no way for me to help taxpayers, which is what he wants to do uh, with this training. And I've heard that from many, 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 many people. And, and you know, the submission processing folks who are teaching it are trying their best, but they're not trained instructors. They are hopping around from topic to topic. And, you know, when they say, hey, look, just do what you need to do so we can move, uh, you know, these truckloads of returns out of here, that's not the right answer. There had to be proper training. We knew it was going to be truncated. We knew it was going to be short. But this, is, this has been not good at all, and it doesn't bode well for this program moving forward, I, I feel. Yeah, and, and for people who may not understand fully what Duncan is trying to explain here, it's sort of like what we've talked about in the past, where um, different parts of the service have different ways of speaking to each other. For example, we all have our own acronyms. There are acronyms, the shortcuts, uh, that people use in submission processing that people in toll-free don't know, and vice versa. And, and uh, so you speak a certain language and use certain shortcuts to explain things. And I think uh, that may be one 
reason that we have this disconnect. And this is really sad because it's bad overall. It's not helping the service, as had been hoped. And the employees are not getting the, the how should I put it, the, they wanted a background. They wanted to know more about the processing, hoping that would help them. Uh, the example you gave is, is a great one. Here's a toll-free assister that helps people with 1040X issues. And if they could process some, hey, maybe I could learn a little more about this and give a more in-depth explanation to someone calling me on the phone. Yet this disconnect, why do you think this is happening? Is there any reason you think this has happened? Has somebody dropped the ball? Do you have any any thoughts along those lines? Yeah, what is what's happened has been, you know, this entire thing has been knee jerk uh, during the pandemic. Um, if if IRS had come to National NTU when we first started getting this backlog, we could have worked through these issues. But instead, they wait until there's almost a tsunami of paper to try and throw these surge teams at it, and it's just not been as effective as needed. You know, the commissioner came out and said, you know, we've cleared up just about all of the 2020 returns, documents, and things of that nature, which is great. Unfortunately, we're now further behind in the 2021 returns than we ever were in the 2020 returns. So, I mean, it's it was robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, and if there had been a little less crisis management and a little bit more pre-decisional involvement, I think it would have been worked out better for the IRS, the employees, and, of course, taxpayers. So we'll watch this carefully. We still have some people still in the program, correct? Not everybody's dropped out in Indianapolis, correct? correct? So there's, correct. we'll watch this and see if uh, maybe things get better, they change or whatever, but that's where it stands now. It's a sad commentary because had this been done better, everyone would have benefited in something has happened here, and I think you've explained how you, you, you view it at this point. Let's talk about money and the raise that is being proposed for employees in the year 2023. You've been seeing a couple of different numbers being bandied around, and our national president of NTEU has sent a direct letter to the president of the United States about this. So, Duncan, tell us where all this stands now. Yeah, it's been one of those things where our national office, led by uh, Tony Reardon, our national president, and Doreen Greenwald, our national vice president, have been watching these numbers and have realized that the pay compared to inflation is going to be woefully low. And they've heard the members because the members have said, hey, we need more pay. So in an attempt to get the attention of the White House for budget purposes, uh, Tony Reardon has sent a letter directly to the administration, not going through OPM or the regular channels, but going directly to the president and basically saying, we need a larger raise. We need to be looking at that 5.1% raise with the rate of inflation the way it is, with you know health insurance going up the way it does, you know, and the cost of everything else. We need more money for our federal employees to retain them. And so I'm hoping that that'll make some headway uh, with the administration. And I'll say something I've mentioned before. We've talked about this on many podcasts, and I just want to reinforce this. There are two different systems in place for increasing what you receive in money. One would be the federal employee pay raise. That's a situation that must be enacted by the Congress. Sometimes the president decides if Congress uh, leaves it open. 
Then there's a different, completely different system for retirees. And even within that system, uh, the, the FERS retirees and the CSRS retirees have different systems slightly. And that's tied to the inflation rate. So that's an automatic system. That does not, doesn't require anybody to, to act on anything. So uh, we are talking here about the federal employee pay raise, which must be decided each budget year uh, by the Congress. And if the Congress doesn't decide, the president will decide. So uh, NTU continues to fight for that 5.1% raise, which is still maybe not even going to make up all the inflation, but at least would help. Exactly. And that's the thing. We, you know, whether it's local, whether it's national, we do listen to the members. And this has been something that has been fairly consistent is, you know, even if we can't get it, we need to try. And Tony Ridden's like, you're absolutely correct. Let's send this letter to the president. Let's start pushing this. Let's see where we can go to get the higher number and then work with folks in Congress to make them understand that this needs to be done for the betterment of everybody. Because if we have people leaving for higher paying jobs in the private sector, that's just going to further hurt the government uh, and the services that we provide, which we absolutely don't want to do. Speaking of money, um, the, we normally talk about awards toward the end of the year when uh, uh, they're paid out uh, late in the calendar year. There's a certain window where the management must pay out awards when people qualify for them. But right now, we do have a deadline now that people need to know about. It's July 30th. And what is this deadline that deals with awards? Yeah, there's there's always, always, always every single year um, some folks who either chose to get time off and get cash for awards or they uh, vice versa, they chose to get uh, cash and got time off for whatever reason there's always a few and it's a great big hassle to try and get corrected at this point so what what we're what has been done at this point is you have until july 30th and this was uh brought out in an email that tony rudin sent out to all the members uh and national NGU did a few days ago basically saying here's the process you need to do if you're going to have a appraisal, we don't know what the award cutoffs are going to be, the cutoff scores. But if you have a score of 3.4 or more, you know, and you want to change your election that you put in your appraisal, please, please, please email your manager and keep a copy for yourself on, you know, if you want to get, if you had cash and you want to go to time off that you put that down. If you have time off and you say, okay, I've got enough time off, I want to do the cash, that you make that and email it to your manager. That way there's a track to do this. Managers have been uh, put on notice by their superiors and supervisors that they need to make these corrections and inputs by July 30th into the system so it's done correctly. And again, we don't know what the cutoffs are going to be. Those are different every year depending upon the top 55% uh, and ties in a particular pool. We don't know when the awards are going to be coming out. The last several years, they have been coming out in the first quarter of the next fiscal year, which would mean sometime between October 1st to December 31st, usually sometime between November and December is when it's been coming out. So we don't have that information, but we're talking about this now because we want to make sure 
that if you want to change your election, that you do it now. So word of warning, uh, now's the time to be thinking about whether you want time off or uh, or whether you want the cash award. And, and one thing that's interesting, and I think this is still the case, correct me if I'm wrong, there is a cap on the amount of time off you can have. So it's possible that if you hit your cap on time off award, you may still get some cash, correct? Exactly so. You can get up to 40 hours of time off award, TOA is what they call it. Because uh, if we're the IRS, if it doesn't have an acronym, it doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, it's 40 hours and then whatever's remaining from the award that you would have gotten if it's cash, they convert that 40 hours of your salary. And if there's more than that left over, you would also get that in cash. And again, this is important. The July 30th date is important if you want to change what was in your evaluation that you put down. You can't change it in um, in any other system. You need to send an email to your manager. Yeah, that's unusual. You Normally, you put it in a system that you have access to, and that is not the case here. Well, Duncan, we talked uh, last podcast about the return to office. People uh, are now... Uh, under the contract provision, for example, on, uh, for telework, uh, we, we um, have the evacuation order has been rescinded as of about a week ago, or last week, I should say. We're in the second week of that first pay period where that uh, evacuation order is gone. So tell me, uh, uh, you said that you didn't know of any major glitches last week. Uh, what are we seeing now? Uh, you're seeing a lot of folks who are not able to come into the office for whatever reason, be it health, be it um, they're over the 200-mile limit, things of that nature. It's been an adjustment for some folks. We've known about this date for quite a while, but it's still, you know, once the reality hits you, it changes it, and it's still a little bit different. So, you know, people, we still get people, why do we have to go in? Why is this happening? You know, it's, it's contractual. It has to do with uh, locality pay for OPM. Um, there are some discussions that could happen way down the road, way down the road, uh, that might loosen this up, but I would not count on that for the, for the foreseeable near and probably far future. We need to come in for, uh, you know, unless you're doing mobile field work twice a pay period. And so it's just uh, tough on people. If you can't come in, uh, twice a pay period due to health reasons, things of that nature, then, you know, you need to have filed already long ago a reasonable accommodation request because until that reasonable accommodation request is uh, gone through the system approved and it has to be approved by a an executive, uh, you're expected to come in. So it's it's causing, I wouldn't say huge issues, but there are, you know, things going a little bit, back and forth. There are issues with that. And we'll keep an eye on that and keep you posted uh, as things move along. Any final comment, Duncan? Yeah. Um, one of the things that we, you know, we just addressed is on, you know, mental health. I mean, uh, you know, I've spoken about this on this podcast several times before, and I will continue to pound the table about this. Mental health is as important as physical health. This has been quite a change. People have been used to working from home. Uh, There's fear, trepidation, social anxiety about coming into the office, coming in among people, not sure if they're going to be, you know, contagious or not. Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? Should I 
social distance from people? How do I react? You know, all of this is normal human behavior. So please, please, please avail yourself. Talk to a counselor. You've got the uh, employee assistance program, the EAP, that you can uh, reach out to to talk to somebody. Because these are issues. Mental health needs to be taken care of as much as physical health. So please don't, you know, just try and push that away or say, I don't need anything in that regard. I'm good. You know, take care of yourself. We want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself physically and mentally. And I'm very happy to see that uh, the federal government in particular and society in general is now um, understanding this a lot better, that mental health is, is, is as important as your physical health. They are both important and they intertwine. If you talk to the experts, you know, in terms of good mental health uh, has a lot to do with your physical health and vice versa. So we do believe you need to take care of both. And the stigma attached to getting mental health help, I hope, is finally being removed. Speaking of health, one thing that I have been seeing, and this ties into something I think we talked about last week and in previous weeks, that where you see a high concentration of COVID positives, you may have a mask requirement, there may be different rules that you may have to go uh, forward with when uh, you're in an office with a high incidence rate of COVID. And, and right now, we are seeing a new variant, I think it's called BA5, if I remember right, that uh, is pretty scary, and it is infecting people and making people sick, even if you are fully vaccinated. So this is not over. We're, we're, medicine is still working on better vaccines and better treatments. We have better treatments now, where you can actually take some medication to help you if you get sick from COVID, even with this new variant. So people, I would simply urge you to be careful, You know, use caution, uh, Take all the proper uh, precautions when you're out in public. So that's my message of the day. Duncan, thank you very much for joining us. And if all goes well, we will be back next week with another edition of the Chapter 49 podcast. And once again, we have both a video and an audio version. If you want to get links to both of them and use whichever, whichever one you want, just send a, an email to Duncan Giles, our Email address is nteu49 at aol.com. And Duncan will put you on a listing and you'll receive uh, a heads up every time we have a new podcast. So we are very, very thankful and happy that you watch and listen to this podcast. You are the reason that Duncan and I take time each week to produce this podcast for you. So please, we would ask each and every one of you to be safe and be kind.